You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Well, good evening and welcome to episode 78 of the podcast. Cody, Melbourne, and Abrams in Kingston joining us. Chad and I are in person for this one. And it's going to be a little bit different. This is going to be just a relaxed, kind of spitballing episode about the Buffalo Sabres and what a disaster of a season it's been for them. I hate to say it, but you know, it's it's a hot topic right now and so really excited to talk about it. But first, before we get into all stuff Buffalo Sabres, how are you guys? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that, Harp, because I'm just happy to be here. I'm just loving this weather. I'm just loving that, you know, I'm actually able to get outside and do things and it's just just a great time of the year. Thanks, Harp. Thanks for that welcome. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> How you doing, Chad? Oh, good, man. You can't beat the weather. It's like 19 degrees outside right now. It's just unbelievable. I mean, it would be nice to still be out on the rinks and stuff, but it's. I think it's equally as nice to be able to just walk around the block and, you know, just be out in the nice weather. So that's good. Um, I will say I could be doing a bit better. Uh, I want to just let Harper know, and I want to personally attack him here a bit, um, that being late is not a personality and uh it's not a cute thing to do and it's really annoying and uh so i just wanted to say that um without going into any more detail but uh but yeah overall i'm good a little annoyed at uh you know one third of the boys in the booth right now but that's uh that's gonna happen on a week-to-week basis so harper we're gonna have to change his name in the facebook chat for sure again oh true true true. and our facebook chat all of our names are our traits that would probably make us hard to date i would say yeah uh, i think mine's communication because i just don't do that <laughs> mine is uh, passive aggressive passive aggressive yeah. yeah and uh harper's was uh texts too early but i think now it will be being on time but anyways harper how are you doing man well you two have been late before so take it easy but anyway yes I can be a little tardy at times, I'll admit that. You know what? I'm doing good. Case mentioned the nice weather is here now. And you know what? You mentioned not being on the rink. Well, I want to get road hockey going and yeah. be out at the rink in Toledo. Yeah. I, I just want to play in a Pepsi Cup right now, boys. I got to tell you. So, no, I, I'm doing good. The, the weather is is rolling around, and it just helps with your your mental health and positivity and all of that so it i'm I'm doing good and great to chat with you guys so okay episode 78 as we mentioned off the top we're going to be focusing on the buffalo sabers uh currently uh as we're recording this they're about to play the new york rangers uh at madison square garden they've lost 13 games in a row just six wins in regulation this season they're in the basement in the national hockey league wow it's painful to say all of this but uh you know it's been that kind of year for them and I think at the start we could just sort of chat about really what has gone wrong for this franchise this season. We now interrupt episode 78 of the podcast to bring you a word from our sponsor Manscaped. 
Wow, talk about a scream. That's how I used to sound when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. You need to try this out for yourself. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BITB20 at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the code BITB20 and always use the right tools for the job. It's not always easy to avoid nicks and cuts when doing your grooming, but uh, as someone who runs late occasionally, uh, I've been there and it sucks. So men, start taking notes right now because it's time to reduce cuts on your nuts. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. This is the third generation trimmer featuring advanced skin safe technology so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience, and they've spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to shave in the shower too. And one of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates the grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And let's not forget about the charging stand. You can show off your mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So many people have written in stories about how the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer has changed their lives. They've even included pictures so I can see the smoothness for myself and they aren't kidding. You need to try this out for yourself, so get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BITB20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Again, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BITB20. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code BITB20 and always use the right tools for the job. And now, back to the podcast. You know, we talk about the losing. Uh, they just made a coaching change, firing Ralph Kruger. Don Granado takes over on an interim basis. Dan Girardi and Matt Ellis, a uh, couple of former players coming onto the bench as well. You know, COVID hit this team really hard. Uh, injuries as well. Um, it just hasn't been a good year. So, Case, we'll, we'll go to you now and, and just w- with more on that, with what has gone wrong for this team. And you were mentioning off air that, this goes back to when the rebuild started. Yeah, you know, I kind of want to make an excuse for the Buffalo Sabres because I feel bad for the fans and I feel bad for the players. You know, like some of the guys are just visibly unhappy on the ice. You see Rasmus Dahlin slamming his stick after losses or after goals and a couple other players shaking their heads. And it's just it's kind of turned into a culture in in this uh, this city. And for Buffalo Sabres fans, um, you know, things are getting turned around for the Bills, so there is good sports in Buffalo right now. But uh, like you said, I, I was reading an article uh, from the hockey writers, and it was so good just laying out how it's been a terrible decade for the Buffalo Sabres. You know, they haven't made the playoffs in, I think, the, all 10 of those years. Uh, and it kind of all started back in 2011, 2012. Um, it was the last time that they were close to the playoffs, then, you know, the next year they traded for seven draft picks, sending a lot of familiar faces out the door like Ott and Palmonville and some of the like fan favorites in Buffalo. That was the first real sign that they're going to do a rebuild. Uh, the next season was the first tank. Everyone was kind of pushing to get Aaron Eckblad, and that was the big name out there. They did get 
uh, Reinhardt, which is looks you know semi good for them so far. The next year it was like we need to get McDavid at all costs. That's the title of that year, and uh, they traded so many players and made so many big moves. They actually made some moves that kind of made it seem like they weren't completely ready for a rebuild, bringing in uh, Evander Kane and Bogosian and. Um, you know, they, they sent out Lemieux and Armia and Tyler Myers and Drew Stafford. So that was kind of a scary looking trade as well. Then uh, they got a little hope because Ryan O'Reilly came to town and, and started, you know, putting up good numbers for them. And you had Reinhardt playing well. You, you had uh, Evander Kane being a 20 goal scorer. And then things started looking shaky from there. Uh, they went downhill in 2016, 2017. Uh, and then they tanked hard to get Rasmus Dahlin. That was a big thing for them. But, you know, they, they, they got the, the big young stud in Dallin, but a lot of these other players that they were drafting just weren't cutting it for them. Uh, then, you know, the big year came, 2018, 2019. They had 10 wins in a row. It seemed like this is their opportunity to turn things around. And then it just went downhill from there once again, 16, 33, and 8 after that. And it just crashed and burned since then. Um, you know, 2019, 2010, we thought maybe they're turning around again. You had guys like me and Chad just constantly saying, yeah, they won't make the playoffs, but you know, there was hope there. And a lot of people maybe thought it was the year. And then this year, guys, we brought in Taylor Hall. We got Eric Stahl. Like this top six is electric. These guys can score goals. Well, no, they have the 31st, uh, goals per game. Uh, their goals against is not much better. They have a outstanding power play, but can't string together any wins. They're 13 losses in a row. Like things have just fallen apart for this team. So that's kind of your your decade synopsis of the Buffalo Sabres and, and how it's been a rough one for sure. Yeah. Chad, thoughts on this decade overall for the Sabres? I mean, there's not much more to say. Like I think Casey summed it up pretty well. But, yeah. I mean... Like we said, you know, in, in our episodes from the start when we were ranking the teams in each division, like Casey and I both said, I don't see this team doing any damage. And it wasn't because they didn't have good players or, you know, because we've talked about their top six is really good. They've got a lot of good players uh, playing now and in the pipeline as well. It wasn't any of that. It was just, it seems like there's something in the water in Buffalo and it's just like subconsciously like that's a reason for me at least why I was never able to be like okay I think this team is going to make the playoffs like I would always say maybe I could see it but you just never really believed in it and I think that had to do a bit with the mismanagement of players and that goes back to Ralph Kruger and we can get into that later as well Um, obviously he was fired recently but there are just so many things that seem to have gone wrong with this team over the last decade and you can't really put your finger on why or or what are the underlying reasons because we've seen coaching changes we've seen a gm and and a house cleaning everybody moving out um you know that was last year yeah um and we've seen players come in and out of the lineup um one solid issue that's been consistent i think since ryan miller left has been goaltending i think and i think that's fair to say um linus olmark has been really good recently as i mentioned last episode but again probably still on the lower end of starters but yeah, there's just so many issues with this team. And uh, so that's what we're going to talk about. And I did yeah. want to say, too, that um, 
This episode uh, idea was proposed by a friend of the show, Cole Chapman, on Instagram. So, Cole, if you're listening, you're welcome for this episode. And thank you for uh, providing the idea. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get into that and, and sort of do like a three-year or like foreseeable future rebuild type thing, what we think they can do because we've gone over the problems. Seems like there's no solutions in Buffalo right now. So we're going to be a few armchair GMs and, uh, you know, fitting them sitting in an armchair for this. So, <laughs> so here we you go. Know, there yes. was one point that Harper brought up that, you know, I was kind of alluding that I wanted to make an excuse for this team and I can't for the last decade. But what I can do is say that these guys were hit hard by COVID and you can see um, just how they played when they came back is the same thing for the devils. The devils were, uh, the devils were four, three and two. I have a note here, uh, before the COVID break and after their seven, 11 and two, they, they've recently turned it around. They're three, one and one right now. They're, they're kind of on a little bit of a streak, but, uh, you could see that some players just weren't the same when they came back from this break, you know, specifically with the devils, Mackenzie Blackwood said that he actually didn't feel himself until last week on, I think it was Tuesday. And I know that we are seeing the same thing for Rasmus Ristolainen, who, uh, also had lung problems, the same as Mackenzie Blackwood, you know, everyone gets different symptoms, it seems. And anyone who's hit in the lungs, you know, it, it's tough to come back and play a professional sport after that, for sure. So I think that, if I want to give them one excuse this year, it's they got hit hard with COVID and the break really took, you know, the the gas out of their tank. No, that's definitely fair to say. And that that's the thing. Like you've heard Elliot Friedman and other hockey analysts say that, you know, the COVID outbreak was really hard on the East Coast. And uh, and that Buffalo did get hard, hit hard in particular, but you know we saw other uh, other teams get affected by COVID, like the Devils, like the Minnesota Wild, like the Dallas Stars. So at the end of the day, yes, you could give them a little bit of leeway, but you can't give excuses. You can't have excuses in this league where it's performance based and all of that. And then before we move on, one more thing I will say is, you know, just you you look at this team right now and it's essentially been put together by three different general managers, right? Mm -hmm. Starting with Tim Murray, who started the tank job, ended up drafting Reinhardt Neichel, and then Jason Botterill, and and now Kevin Adams, and just trying to turn things around too quickly, I think, and trading draft picks for players that you think will make you better right now and all these deals haven't worked out and you would think that this team would be loaded with prospects like in LA like in Ottawa or New Jersey and they just aren't like Mm -hmm. when you think about it they're kind of starting to build that prospect pool back up with guys like Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka and Ryan Johnson, just to name a few, like we saw at this past uh, year's world juniors. So um, before we yeah. get into our three main things, we're going to talk about coaching because the Sabres need a new head coach, some trades. Um, and obviously Jack Eichel is at the forefront of that. And then at the draft and what they could do at the draft as well, who they should take and, and all that kind of stuff. Any last thoughts though, before we get into sort of the, the structural layout of this episode? Yeah. Well, one thing I want to mention is the, the draft history of this team and how they have had sort of a, a difficult time with it. You know, they, they've got a few big names, you know, the cousins and, and Darlene and obviously Eichel, uh, but you look at that 2018 draft, um, Middlestat at eight and Marcus Davidson, uh, UPL, Laxonen and Bryson, I think 
you know, the only guy that's really cracked the lineup so far is Middlestat. Bryson's played a few games that I've actually been a little impressed by him so far. So, you know, that draft wasn't huge comparing them to some of the other rebuilding teams in the league, looking at their 2018 draft. Then you look back at the 2016 draft, which is, you know, far worse. In in my opinion, you got Alex Nylander again at that number eight spot. If they end up with the eighth overall pick this year, I think they should trade it for nine, one for one. Like, just don't <laughs> pick at eight. It's it's rough. Yeah. So they got Nylander and Asplund, Pooh, Fitzgerald, and Murray. Um, I think Fitzgerald's playing in Rochester. Uh, Nylander and Pooh were traded, and Asplund's really been the only guy that's kind of actually made an impact from that draft and i still think he's maybe a year away so yeah they've had a lot of tough times and now i'm reading that they're not going to be sending scouts to the whl finland or russia how do you expect to draft without you know two of the superpower countries as well as you know that that breeding ground of good defensemen in the whl it's uh i, I don't understand that i've heard that they've They've always kind of sent out fewer scouts than most teams. I don't know what the idea is there, if that's a money thing or what, but I'm kind of baffled. And, you know, like you said, Harp, this team doesn't have the prospect pool that I would expect them to have after the last 10 years. And that's kind of something you notice at the beginning of the year when these guys are putting together their, uh, you know, top 10 best prospect pools and Buffalo is not included. Yeah, you know, and like you said, Case, this year in particular, it is a very thin staff. We're seeing that. Kevin Adams is looking for an assistant GM, which was really a surprise that came in his press conference after firing Ralph Kruger last week. They do have permission to speak to Jason Carmanos, who was in Carolina and was with Jimmy Rutherford in Pittsburgh. So that's a great sign. But you're right, not enough boots on the ground, as Elliot Friedman would say, for the Buffalo Sabres. And Case, I just want to go back and just clarify something. So Darlene, uh, that draft was in 2018. Middlestad, of course, was was 2017. So just to, oh, just to yeah, just Such to make number. sure we, we've got that all squared up yeah. there. But yeah, it seems like they have the eighth overall pick every year, which is pretty funny. So, okay, we'll get into the structure of the episode now. And I think we'll start with coaching and we'll, we'll be pretty quick with this. So just to recap again, Ralph Kruger was let go last week uh, after the 12 game losing streak um, Don Granado takes over as interim head coach Dan Girardi and Matt Ellis the assistants uh, assistant coach Steve Smith was also let go with Ralph Kruger so maybe to start before we go into who you see as the guy to take over behind the bench for the Sabres maybe just we'll all pick one thing that Ralph Kruger did with this lineup that wasn't right and how he managed it. And Chad, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'll go first. And you guys both know what I'm going to say. It's the management of his top six players. Jeff Skinner makes $9 million against the cap for another seven years, or is it six now? Well, it'll be six after this season. That's a long time. That's a lot of money. And that should be a top six player on your team. I don't care how much this player is struggling, you have to play him. You have to play him through it. You have to put him in a position to succeed. And we've talked about this quote so many times, but when he, when Ralph Kruger mentioned that, um, you know, 
He had chemistry with Curtis Lazar, so that's why he's playing on the fourth line. That is not how you get superstar players going. And this isn't to justify the $9 million contract because I I think, and most people around the league will tell you that's too much in the first place. And we said that the day he signed the contract. But you have to manage the players that you're given as a coach on your team. And it doesn't matter how, how much or how little they make, but if they're supposed to be one of your best players and your team has committed a lot of money to that player and you know the GM has said this player is going to be uh, a, a large part of our team, then you have to do everything you can to put them in a position to succeed. And he just didn't do that at all with Jeff Skinner. So that is my my big uh, you know beef with, with Ralph Kruger. And that's why I've been saying from day one that he he's not the guy for this team. I don't think he ever was. He has a great resume. He's a very smart and and talented guy. He's been he's been around the league and, and in different sports and everything and we've talked about him and he seems like a great character person overall and the players loved him. But he wasn't the right guy to manage this team and it showed this year because Taylor Hall Another one who just wasn't getting it going. Um, he hardly had, had any points. Jeff Skinner hardly had any points. And it's just, it's been a tire fire there from a, a mismanagement perspective. So that's my number one beef with Ralph Kruger. Case, how about you? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of along the same lines. My, my big thing is his uh, his inability to get big things out of big players you know taylor hall is the the example that i wanted to run with at first but uh you kind of mentioned it there and you you know they're comparing that uh skinner eichel hall and how many goals they have to like guys like jimmy vc who has more goals than all three of them but really what i wanted to talk about is rasmus dalian and his inability to give him a proper partner on the back end you know like you said you got to coach the guys that you're given as a coach but Really, they've kind of cycled guys through beside him and nothing's really clicked and it's just not working out. Um, you know, I was looking at some of the uh, goals against, uh, ex- expected goals against and the worst pairings in the league. I saw that on Instagram somewhere. And I think two of them are Buffalo pairings, one of them being uh, Joki Harju and Montour, or no, Miller, and the other one being Miller and Dalin, I think it was. And it's just like, you got to get the best out of Rasmus Dalian if, if you're going to have anything going on back there. And I think he's like a minus 41 or something like that the last time I checked. So again, yeah, you, you have these superstars on this team and he's just not able to get anything out of them. So that's to me where you needed a coaching change is when you have so many studs, so many guys on paper that when you see their name, you, you get a little scared playing them and they're just not producing this year. And I like what Elliot Friedman said recently. He was on The Instigators, which is a radio show in Buffalo with Andrew Peters and Craig Reve, as you guys know. Uh, Martin Braun and, and Rob Ray are on there from time to time. But he said the most important thing, one of the most important things moving forward is to get Rasmus Dallin back to the player that you know he can be. And, and that's where Dan Girardi comes in. I'm really curious to see what he can do because Girardi was a very solid NHL defenseman. Very curious to see what he can do with Rasmus Dallin because it has just been such an awful year for him. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's just been a disaster. And, and for me guys to wrap up the, the conversation about Ralph Kruger, you guys know, I respect the man and I think he's a great motivator and I think the players really liked him, but 
they just the message was was getting lost and they weren't responding and it's really just overall lineup management and you know case you mentioned Dowling you mentioned Jeff Skinner that's the biggest one you know scratching Skinner for for three games but also just managing guys in general like uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, all that he had to say about COVID and and the the battling that he had to do, I think his first game back, he led them in ice time. He led the yeah. team in ice time. Then meanwhile, he takes Dylan Cousins out of the lineup, who was playing really well, and who gets put up on that second line in the top six? Kyle Opozo, who just scored his first goal last week in a game against the Boston Bruins so just didn't make sense and then also just not being on the same page like oh Jack Eichel got hurt in warm-up against New Jersey or uh, no got hurt in warm-up in this game no he got hurt the game before against New Jersey like they just he it just it didn't seem like he was on the right page with with anyone or, or on the same page rather and uh, th- this this is a move that that had to be done um and yeah just going back to the Skinner thing like that contract is not a good contract but with that and with the resume that he has you're responsible to put a player like that in a position to at least have a chance at success well put yeah, it, you know let when, me put it this way ha- sorry case let me jump in let me put it this way you can't trade Jeff Skinner. No. So you have no other option but to play him. And do, would you rather yeah. have a $9 million player sitting in the press box or sitting on the bench playing fourth line minutes? Or would you rather do everything you can to have that $9 million player start producing, whether it costs you maybe a, a win here or there? The team's in dead last. You don't have a choice. That Priority number one would be to get Jeff Skinner going and Maybe that's what management saw. That wasn't his main priority, Ralph Kruger's, and maybe that's why he got fired. That had to be a factor anyways. Sorry, yeah, guys. yeah. No, <laughs> I was going to say, you can't trade Jeff Skinner. <laughs> yeah. So instead of having the revolving no. door of Tage Thompson or Kyle Acapozo, or like you're running into a real Edmonton Oilers situation there where you're throwing anyone on the right wing trying to get those two, you know, Eichel and uh, Hall going. Well, well yeah. you have Jeff Skinner. Just keep playing them until... It clicks. Yeah, for Good sure. Player. Great skater. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't... No, you, you got to find a way to make it work. And uh, that's that's the bottom line. So before we move on, we'll move on to trades next with the deadline coming up in, in less than a month. I think three weeks, whenever yeah. April, 12th April 12th is the 12th, NHL yeah. trade deadline, as we mentioned in our trade bait episode, which, by the way, you can go and listen to if you haven't yet. Um who do you guys see being the next head coach of the Sabres? Don't necessarily need to go into it too deep, but when you look at the at the at the guys looking for coaching jobs out there, you know, who's the first that comes to mind that would be a nice fit behind the bench without going into it too much? Yeah, personally, this is uh, I would say one of my weak points. Like I'm not I, I think I know what type of coach they need, but I'm not sure I know of a candidate off the top of my head who's going to fit that bill. Uh, perfectly. So what I would say is that they need a guy to, first of all, play your star players like we were mentioning. Um, And they need a guy who is going to implement a system that's going to get talented offensive defensemen like Ristolainen and like Dalene jumping up into the play and doing what they do best and not playing a trap game, not playing a game where, you know, they're, they're getting 
penalized or, or killed or ridiculed for, you know, jumping up in the play or, or making a bad pinch or something. And that all goes back to also getting them a partner, like getting a partner for Rasmus Dahlin. But so, yeah, if I were to choose a coach right now, and again, I don't have a name for it, but I would say they definitely need a coach that's going to implement the system to benefit their players. And I mean, you can say obviously, but when you look at this team, they have talented players yeah and you just need someone to be able to get them going so i'm thinking not like if you were to look around the league you're not going to want to you know a defensive minded coach like torts or something um you're probably going to want a guy and of course this is close to home but like sheldon keith who last year when he took over the leafs you saw a guy like tyson berry who played in babcock's system who had like three points in 20 games and then when Keefe took over, he just went off. And this year, he's number one in defenseman scoring. So if he can fit into a system where that's going to allow him to get points from the back end, you know, obviously he was able to succeed. That's what the Sabres need because they have talent, especially on the back end with guys like Rasmus Dallin. Yeah. No, good stuff. Case? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat where I don't necessarily have one name, but... Uh, it's funny that Chad is going to compare it to Sheldon Keith because from from my standpoint, the guy that they need in Buffalo, ironically, because he was there before, got swooped up this year by the Devils. I'm typically a guy that when I see this young team, I'm going to say that I kind of want a younger coach in there, a little like, you know, fresh out of the NHL type guy. But my my opinion on that has been changed watching the Devils play this year. Obviously, they're still not a great team, but Lindy Ruff has come in and He's really changed the system that it, it's allowing some of these younger guys to really shine. There's guys like Sharon Govich and uh, Kolkinen and uh, Maltsev, guys that really weren't expected to play in the NHL this year are succeeding. And one of the things that he came in with is that he wanted to play a more offensive game, a faster game, and with a fourth guy on the rush. He wanted the defenseman joining the rush. You have some guys on this team that that's what they do. You have Ty Smith, who is excelling because he's playing under Lindy Ruff. Uh, Damon Severson is in the same boat. Even P.K. Subban's actually looking pretty good with the puck recently, which is nice to see for once. So I guess uh, you need to hit control C on Lindy Ruff and put him in Buffalo right now. Yeah, it would be great to have Lindy Ruff back in Buffalo. Longest uh, serving head coach in, in Sabres uh, franchise history. And, you know, he he's going to be able to turn around the, the Devils, I think. A young group there, and he's a veteran coach. And so that, that's been a great fit for sure. I, I think you're right there, Case. And there, for, for the next head coach of the Sabres, there's really two guys I'm looking at. There's Bruce Boudreaux who I I think, you know, he wouldn't go back into it. Like, he would love to go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's no question. He's from St. Catharines. He mentioned that in the offseason. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? I I think, like, Buffalo is is the next closest place to where he's from, right? So I I think he would... He would love to coach the Sabres, and he's a guy that's been in some different situations. Like we've seen him in, you know, Washington and Minnesota, and he he's able to, you know, work with star players and get the most out of his players. I think so. That is definitely an option. And then another guy is someone in the NCAA who we saw coach Team USA to a gold medal at this past uh, World Juniors, and that's Nate Lehman with Providence College. 
Um, obviously, he coached Ryan Johnson on Team USA. We've got him as one of our prospects. And, you know, just someone that I think a lot of teams who kind of aren't sure about their coaching are are looking at is sort of that newer age coach that we talk about, you know? Well, like Harp, you like connections here. Well, maybe he is the man to go with because there's a good chance that they're going to be uh, drafting Matthew Beniers this year. So yeah, little right. connection there yeah. for you. No, exactly. Um, okay, so that does it for coaching. We'll get into some trade talk now. And, uh, of course, the deadline is coming up on April 12th, like we mentioned a little bit earlier. The Sabres did make a minor deal over the weekend, uh, and, and this was rumored that, uh, you know, Colorado, who is kind of struggling with their backup goaltending, they were looking for some depth at that position. They acquired Jonas Johansson, who played in a few games for the Sabres. He was okay, but numbers aren't really there. I think he's 25 years old. And so he goes to the avalanche for a sixth rounder in the 2021 draft. So not much to say about that deal. It's a minor deal. Buffalo gets an extra pick. I think that's the the one thing you could say. And Colorado strengthens their, their goaltending depth. And obviously with the deadline coming up, you look at three to four guys who are likely to be moved. Taylor Hall, number one, Eric Stahl, Brandon Montour, and potentially Tobias Rader as well. All of them are up at the end of the season and could be nice rentals for uh, for some other teams. Obviously, with those three, I think would be really nice uh, rentals. So, you know, we, we know all of that. But when we said trades for, for this episode as one of our topics, we're, we know those guys are going to get moved. We're, we're talking about the core and shaking up the core that obviously starts at the top with Jack Eichel but there's also guys like Rasmus Ristolainen and Sam Reinhart who these guys have been there for six seven years this might even be year eight for Ristolainen in Buffalo and you gotta think I I hate to say it but all three of those guys may want a change of scenery because of the amount of losing that's gone on. They're really good players, and they may just need a, a different situation. So what are your thoughts on that, guys? Uh, you know, that really is the core that has been there the longest, and we could see all three of them go, a couple of them, maybe just one. Maybe Eichel is the only one. What are your thoughts on that? Case, we'll start with you. You know, I had a hard time thinking about this team going into this episode kind of you know, I've never been so conflicted about an, a team because personally, I don't think it's time to to flip the switch and do another rebuild. Like if I had my way, I'd think that they'd try to stick it out. But the problem there is I think they only have 12 guys under contract after this year right now. So that is a problem. And and those guys, you know, you got to cash that check or they might just walk because when you have a losing culture team, they're, they're not going to look to re-sign in Buffalo unless you're really enticing and then you get yourself into a Jeff Skinner problem. So I I think that there's definitely going to be a few trades of those guys with expiring contracts. But when it comes to the core, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily want to shake these guys up. I think that if I had to choose one of them to go, it'd be Ristolainen. I'd uh, hang on to Reinhardt, although you're going to get the most value out of him right now because he's playing so well. Yeah. comparatively to the rest of this team and i think you're crazy if you trade jack eichel i i think that's just a, a lunatic move um you know one of the best players in the league and you're never going to get enough in return from him the only scary thing is the amount of times that we've heard that he wants out of buffalo that that's my only fear but 
I think you, you got to stick it out with him for sure. So shaking up the core is a little scary to me. I think Rissa Lyons, the guy to do it if you're going to do it. And other than that, those, those rentals got to go. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Case. I want to say a couple things right off the top. Going back to the Jonas Johansson trade, that was ridiculous how that all unfolded in the first place. I know, oh, yeah. I know it's a minor trade, but in the first place, um, the trade was announced at like noon or something, um, but then by multiple sources, and then they went back on it. All of them did. And then it took like eight hours later for them to finally post something again. And then the trade finally went through. And so there's a bunch of hype like, oh, what is this trade going to be? And then it turns out it's a sixth round pick for a fourth string goalie. Who cares? But so that was weird in the first place. And then the second thing was John Vogel, who writes for The Athletic, Athletic, (laughs) came out and said essentially that Jonas Johansson is the worst goaltender that he's ever seen on an NHL ice surface saying that he doesn't stop pucks in games or in practice for the Sabres. Why would Colorado want him? And it's like, I can't believe that a professional writer for a a big, you know, company like The Athletic wrote something like that. So that the whole thing was just so weird. And it's like typical... Like Buffalo, like it just, of course, something is going to go wrong in a minor league deal like that. It was just the weirdest thing. But like, but going <laughs> it back. It was bizarre. Yeah, it definitely was. But going back to like the core and talking about this whole the conversation of shaking up the core, like I think there are only a couple pieces that I would be willing to move if, if I'm the general manager of, of the Sabres. And Ristolainen, I think, is the one. So I, I agree with Case. If you're going to yeah. shake up the core, it's got to be Ristolainen. Um, the problem with that is he plays a ton of minutes and a ton of games, and he's a pretty serviceable de- uh, defenseman. Doesn't fit well under the system that they've been playing for the last eight years. Um, and I just think that he's not as highly valued around the league as maybe his point totals show, because I think a lot of GMs around the league know that he's bad in his own zone. And I'm sure there are metrics to back that up, but that's just something that um, I've noticed. But you know, I, I like him. He's a good player. Yeah, he's a talented offensive defenseman, and I think again, similar to Dalene, like we've been talking about, he maybe just needs a good stay-at-home partner. I mean, and that just goes back to to building around him. But case you said it, man, and and we we uh, posted this on Instagram uh, uh, probably about a week ago. I said. Hot take, and it's probably not even a hot take at this point, but we said the Sabres will lose any trade involving Jack Eichel. And I think if you think otherwise, you're crazy. He is the best player in the trade, and the team who trades the best player away loses that trade 90% of the time, unless it's Eric Carlson going the other way to to San Jose, because they lost that trade, and I think we can say that now. But yeah, now... I did hear that if the Sabres were to trade Jack Eichel, they would be looking for four first-round picks or equivalent players. So players who were drafted in the first round or early second round, and then throwing in picks too. And I just, first of all, I don't know who's going to give you that kind of value Mm -hmm. when you know that Jack Eichel, there are rumblings that he wants out in the first place. So that lowers his value. Um he makes a really good money like so that i guess might increase his value but also it's just you know he's not happy in buffalo so it just seems like 
if you find a team, a trade partner who's going to be able to give you those assets, like I still just don't think it's enough because on a night to night basis, if Jack Eichel's going and, and he's not hurt, he's not injured or, or on the bench or whatever, he can be the best player in the world on any given night. Yeah. And I, I legit think he's that good. I think he's a top 15 player in the league. And I think when you trade those types of players in their prime, which Jack is right now, um, you're going to lose it every time. So do you have any ideas of who they should trade? Because I think we all agree that Taylor Hall will probably move at the deadline. He makes $8 million, one year left. That's easy for Buffalo to retain for the rest of the year. So that's $4 bucks going the other way. Yep. I, I think they do that in a heartbeat to get a first round pick. Why not? I don't see any problem with it. But do you have ideas of, of who they should move other than maybe a Hall or something? Well, yeah, like, like we said, you know, Hall, Stahl, Montour, I think those three likely get dealt at the deadline um, and, and should bring you back half-decent return, um, even though really none of them are producing. But anyway, talking about, like, Ristolainen, I think definitely. He's been there the longest out of the out of the big three uh out of him, Reinhardt and, and Eichel. So I, I think for sure you look at him to get moved. I mean, right now I would love to pay Reinhardt because of the way he's playing. And then with Eichel, yes, I agree. They, they at all costs, they, if they're going to do it, well, first of all, they're not doing it unless they have to, unless yeah. he requests a trade or something. And if they have to do it, they have to make damn sure that they're not getting into a Ryan O'Reilly situation like that trade to the St. Louis Blues. Like, just the return now is unspeakable. Um, and so they have to avoid that. Obviously, we've seen some mock deals. There's really only two teams that could do it that have the assets to pull it off, and that's the New York Rangers, first of all, and then the Los Angeles Kings. But you mentioned the dollars too. I think with the cap not going up for the next couple of years and just with where teams are at business-wise, you know, I, I think we're we're kind of looking over the fact that he makes $10 million for the next five years after this year. So that is a problem for teams too. Like would Buffalo have to retain any of that? You wonder about that, right? I mean, who knows? So what I wonder is though, I wonder if, you know, Kevin Adams and let's say Jason Carmanos joins as assistant GM, if they sit down with Jack and they're like, okay, clearly it hasn't worked here. You're a franchise player. We value you. Um, we are going to change up the core a little bit. So try and maximize our value for a guy like Sam Reinhart, who his contract is up at the end of this year, obviously, and Ristolainen, who has been here forever. He's got a year left on his deal after this one. So I, I wonder if you, you try and have that conversation with them and you, you know, your, your team gets younger, even younger than it is now around Jack Eichel, and then you you sell him on, okay, and, and now our core that we're going to focus on is you, Rasmus Dahlin, and Dylan Cousins. And that's kind of the new focused core for this team. You know, you bring back Linus Allmark as well, but just you you, you get younger and you try to, to build up again without tearing everything down completely. That's kind of how I see it. Risto, I think definitely you look to move on from him. Don't want to move on from a guy like Sam Reinhart, 
But I wonder if if that's what they try and do. The fact that Skinner is is signed long term, maybe that helps Eichel's situation. I don't know. And you sort of just you try and move some things around, change up the core a little bit. You keep Eichel there. And that is your core, Eichel, Cousins, and Dowling, and you sort of try and build again from there. What do you guys think about that? That's a big move. Big, big play by the Buffalo Sabres and, you know, re-jump-starting the, uh, the rebuild is uh, you got to do it right. And yeah. if they want to do it right, then, yeah, they got to trade them all. <laughs> I, yeah. I have one thing to say, and then I have a couple questions because I know we're sort of running a bit long on time, so we're looking to, to wrap this up kind of soon. Yeah. Um, first, I want to say this is just an Instagram post that I found, and it just sort of highlights the, the troubles with the Sabres right now. So um, it was actually Jesse Pollock who tweeted this from, from Bar Down. Oh, yeah. But he said, Jack Eichel, Taylor Hall, and Jeff Skinner, combined salary, $27 million, total goals, six this season. Yeah. Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Nuge combined salary equal twenty-seven million. Combined goals fifty this season. So yeah. it's just that's insult to injury. There, I had a couple questions though. First, you were mentioning you know doing doing sort of a retool, not moving on from Jack unless you absolutely have to, mm-hmm. and then building around a new core after the shakeup. Yep. Do you think Kevin Adams is the right guy for the job in the in the general manager position to do this for the team? Do you see the success of Kevin Adams like long term with this team? I've I've been really impressed with Kevin Adams so far. I, I have to tell you, look, he tried. He tried in the offseason. I think it's safe to say that we thought this team was better with the moves that he made. He definitely needs some help. I think if Jason Carmanos comes in or whoever it is, an experienced NHL general manager or assistant GMs, excuse me, to to give him a hand, I think that certainly helps. But I've been impressed with him. Um, At the end of the day, no matter who's the GM, I think it's going to be tough to pull off any of these moves. But I I will say that I I have been impressed with Adam so far. Um, He has been very good in his press conferences and interviews just saying that the the whole organization from top to bottom needs to be better I think you get him some extra help and then you know myself and a lot of other Sabres fans I think could feel more confidently that he's the right guy to do it with some help but um, as far as his job right now I've been impressed with Kevin Adams but any way you look at it it's going to be tough to to do any of these moves so we'll just have to wait and see second question and this is my final one can you put a timeline on when the Sabres will make the playoffs next, and do you think it will be while the Pagulas own this team? Oh boy! Well, I, I'll go back to the to the Buffalo Bills, like Case mentioned, and how they've been able to turn around. Look, it, it it's no secret. Like the Pagulas own them as well; mm-hmm. they own both teams in Buffalo, and it took a long time. But I heard Elliot Friedman make a really good point, and he said basically then that when the new regime came in to manage the Bills, they sat down with the Pagulas and basically hashed out an agreement that there was only so much the Pagulas could be involved in. No and kidding. I, and I think that's the key with 
the turnaround and success that we're now seeing with the Buffalo Bills. Um, Frege also said that the Pagulas being involved and being in it, it was a factor in the Skinner negotiations because the rumors and the stories came out that Botterill didn't want to give him that term and that amount of money, but he was kind of overruled on it. And before that, it it also became a factor in the Eichel negotiations. So look at, um, they're the owners at the end of the day, they're the bosses, but you got to hope that maybe uh, Kevin Adams is able to persuade them to bring in a president of hockey ops, someone like a Jim Rutherford or someone, and then maybe they sit down and try to work out the same thing. So can't so timeline. Really, yeah. Yeah. Timeline. Timeline. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Cause that I, would, that's, I just want to mention that was a question that yeah. Cole brought up on Instagram. He yeah. Was like, what is the timeline of this team? Because if not now, if not in the Jack Eichel era, one of the best players in the league, then when? I think in, in the next two to three years, I think is in, is when we could see them, um, squeak into the playoffs. I think they'll have a very young team either way with or without Jack. But I, I think in the next in the next two to three years, because uh, it just takes teams uh, longer than others. And we're seeing young teams like LA really turn around. I think the Ottawa Senators are going to be very competitive next year. So I would say two to three years for this franchise. Anyways, um, we got to wrap things up. Any last thoughts on the Buffalo Sabres before we wrap up? No, when you're talking about that time uh, time frame of, of when they're going to get back into it, I think that a lot of that is going to rely on UPL at this point. Uh, you need a good goalie in Buffalo finally, and, and yeah. there's hope that that's going to be him. There's also going to be a lot of goalies moving in this offseason or maybe the next offseason. There's a lot of good um, you know, good backup goalies that are looking for a starting job, and there's always movement for goalies. So I think that that's a big topic that we may have left out so far this episode, but it's going to have a big factor on the Buffalo Sabres in the future here. Chad, any last thoughts on the Sabres? No, just that, I mean, obviously we expected them to be better this season. It's disappointing that we have to make an episode like this, but at the same time, I told you so. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll end it there. <laughs> Big change is coming no matter what, and the next uh, the next date we can look at is April 12th, the trade deadline. The Sabres are expected to be sellers. We'll be watching them and uh, from that point on. So anyway, thanks for listening to this uh, special episode, just talking about the Sabres, episode 78. Take care. We'll talk to you again next week. And respect to you, Harper, sitting through this. <laughs> yeah, for real. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.